Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. And when I started running, I suppose I didn't stop. And when I got the chance to go, I said I'd stay going. So I opened up. We were only the small little fish out there, so we are on the... We're trying hard to make it through, but it's hard to get the breaks when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know, and it's just, I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Walford today because, like, I'm, hard, I'm heartbroken. So Conor McKenna has retired, lads. It's not that surprising, the news. Maybe in the middle of the season is a little bit surprising. So he's left, left Essendon. Um, he's been talking. He said, I sort of realised it's going to be over at the end of the year. I might as well finish it now. Um, a pre, uh, not an easy decision, but with everything going on the last year, I said it's the right time for me to go. It's something I've always looked forward to, to be able to say it now that I'm retiring. It's a very happy day for me. So I'm not surprised about this. Like I said, it's, it's kind of in the middle of the season when he gone back out after coming home like the poor fella like it just it, it just it's so obvious how tortured he has been coming that he's gone home he's gone back out he I'd say there's been a huge weight lifted off his shoulders now he's only 24 he's back playing with Tyrone which is the love of his life I think so and he's obviously yeah he's been conflicted for a while like was it last year remember he came back and played in the playoffs did they keep English up they relegated Eden Dork and he, he got the yeah. goal I think he got a bit of stick obviously out in Australia for that as well but um, that shows that he probably just he, since then if not before he's been thinking about I want I want to be back in town I want to be home and to be honest I, I dug out one of his old uh, lines when he was you know being thought about going out to Australia it was back in 2014 remember it was lightning up he, apparently he was man in the match in one of those trial games which included AFL players as well but uh, he did say it's something I want to do but worse comes to worse you go out for a few years and then you come back home and like that's what he's doing like you know worse comes to worse in this stage is just coming back home and he's back in Tyrone and as you say back with the love of his life playing football yeah he said I'm looking forward to going home and starting a new chapter in my life to my family and back to Gaelic football which I've always dreamt of doing look I'm very happy for him that he's finally done it he said it's been a hard six years and we know the homesickness has been pretty bad and obviously the most recent controversy uh, Connor where you know he was absolutely lynched 
about having the coronavirus when he didn't actually have it. Um, he blew snot out of his nose, Look, to be honest, which he probably shouldn't have done, but it didn't warrant the reaction um, that it got. And um, he said, the reality is um, I had a deadly disease. He obviously thought he did at the time. He's talking about the, te- the positive test, but the media were more worried about the AFL being put off than my actual life, you know? So maybe that was just the final nail in the coffin with him. Yeah, I'd say so added to, as you said, like his desire always to go back to um uh, to go back to Toronto and I'd say like the homesickness that he's had the last few years. Like that it was very it was a very ugly kind of episode earlier on this year. And I'd say that that seemed to that seemed to be the final nail from from to decide to go home. Like a lot of um a lot of high profile media, you know, commentators in Australia had to go. A couple of players had to go with him as well. And, you know, there was apologies afterwards and stuff, but I think a lot of the damage was done at that stage like and like I, I spent a few months in Melbourne years ago Willie like they're they're obsessed with the AFL and their their media can be quite blunt as well so like the way the way in which they dealt with it while there was apologies subsequently afterwards it just it left a sour taste in the mouth and I'm sure that you know that's that that's something that Conor it's obviously something that Conor McKenna hasn't forgotten so it's just it's just sad really that his time in the AFL has to come you know that's that's going to be a kind of black mark but it's um it's uh, you uh, as you said. It, it nearly feels that that he has weight off his shoulders. He seems very happy, which is the main thing. And listen, Tyrone fans are going to be very happy because by the sounds of things, it looks like he's he wants to get involved straight away. Well, Essendon released a video of his highlights, and Jesus, he's explosive. Like the, you know, there's no doubt about that. Like this lad is the real deal as as a Gaelic football. Like I, I don't think uh, Conor McKenna is going to come home and have to you know, spend too much time worrying about his form. I think this fella just, he's just, is something special. And the great thing about this is, where does Tyrone play him? Do you play him wing back, maybe like a Jack McCaffrey uh, type explosive wing back? I think Tyrone have enough of that. Do you play him as a wing forward, uh, kind of doing the dog work? Do you play him as a centre forward? That's the question Mickey Hart's going to have to answer. But, like, I mean, the great thing about having him out there is they can stop messing around with Maddie Donnelly out around that middle third because Conor McKenna now is that more explosive middle third um, player and Maddie Donnelly can full-time stay in the full forward line. So it definitely gives Tyrone more options, uh, Conor. Oh, but, like, let, let me paint a picture for you. You have <laughs> four players. You can have you can have Cahill McShane, Maddie Donnelly, Conor McKenna, plus one other who are all just completely free of that system. Let the rest of them do the dog work, and then these boys can go wherever the hell they want, wherever they're going to cause damage. And, like, if, if I was Mickey Hart now, I know it's tempting now that he can, they can alternate Maddie Donnelly maybe, bringing him in and out, bringing Conor McKenna in and out. But as you say, they've got enough. They've got enough athletes. They've got enough runners, strong players who will stick to the system. They've just got like some of the most potent players now that, that they can be playing in the full forward line, leading their attack. And when yeah. I say full forward line, I just mean free of of the system and going wherever they want. And I think it's just too good an opportunity to pass up. To have imagine having those three free. Like the, the opposition will be shitting themselves. They'll all be preoccupied with trying to stop those players. And that's not so hunt Tyrone's had since the, the great Tyrone team. Yeah. We, we, we want to see how accurate he is. Like, I mean, I haven't seen that yet. He's, um, I, I don't remember seeing him playing uh, with the minors. He did, he, he did score a bit then. So if he's accurate, maybe center half forward out in front of those two boys, holding that 40 the whole time and give Peter Hart and, and Sludden their kind of, you know, up and down the field roles. Mm. That wouldn't be a bad kind of diamond, uh, McKenna, Donnelly, and McShane. Jesus, like I mean, you're not going to leave three on three with those three beasts, are you, Connor? I just had a thought, Willie, and this is on the back of our conversation that we had the other day about, um, you know, midfielders that like to like uh, arrive onto the attack late and burst in and score uh, spectacular goals. Yeah, and, uh, I think Connor McKenna is about six foot, 
14, just, just short of 14 stone. Obviously an athlete, has been an athlete for a long time. I was just looking back on a couple of clips there. He played um, in his second year, you know, he had a year left in minor when he, he played against Mayo in the 2013 final. He scored 1-2 from centre forward. I was watching back a video there. He scored 1-7 uh, playing from midfield for St. Pat's Armand and Ulster Schools game. He was knocking them over with the left and the right. So now that was a long time ago, but like if he if he can maintain that accuracy, just something about him bursting on from midfield. I think Tyrone might have a vacancy there as well, just to sometimes yeah. with his athleticism, if you keep him up, if you keep him up in the attack, you're maybe denying him the chance to come from deep. But listen, the the, the picture painted Conan Con painted there is quite convincing. Um, do you know they well, do? I, well, I'll, I'll paint you a picture then. Donnelly and McShane left inside. Peter Hart just out in front of them around the top of the D and McKenna at centre half forward in front of them, straight in, in a line in front of Peter Hart yeah. and told he can, he can drop into midfield, but I don't want you going back over the halfway line. I want you being able to take that ball on the burst and get one of those goals that myself and Connor are talking about. There you go. There you're forward. Now, Keep Sludden, talking, Willie. Sludden, you're back. Sludden's back chasing back to the 21 and picking up ball and he's going to carry the ball up for you so that that's a new formation it's been decided here now on the GR and listen I'm excited just talking about it so that's the way it is Peter Hart just in front of the two lads and Conor McKenna just in front of him and McKenna can go left right and back into midfield no further back Conor don't want you don't want you no, that's, that's it that's it listen uh Pardon? I'm having it to hang around and just mind uh, mind the defence, and then uh, Conor McKenna can worry about going the other way. <laughs> right, okay. Come here, some bad news for Doctor Crokes. They're playing this weekend. Tony Brosnan's out. We're big fans of his on the show. Terrible injury, actually. He'd been um, flying it. He punctured his lung. Um, it was in a it was in a training session. So he's going to miss this match, and he'll miss a little bit more. Um, he, he he won't be in the mix for Kerry. He's lighting it up as usual. Two ten against Austin Stacks and eight against Temple No in the quarterfinals. So, like, I mean, they play mid-carry this weekend. A massive, massive loss, Tony Brosnan. Another massive loss. I think this is a loss for anyone going to watch these two games as David Clifford loses, lost his appeal for his red card. Now, I don't like this. Now, I don't think this is probably David Clifford pushing this. This could be East Kerry management pushing this and David, you know, desperate to play in the semi-final going along with it. But listen, and I think Dear McConnelly deserves a lot of credit for... Uh, the time he pushed the linesman, not trying to appeal that, because in fairness, Dear McConley did did appeal it before, and he ended up come, playing against Mayo at the very last second. Remember, Alan Brogan was um, supposed to play; he was told at the last minute he didn't. Dear McConley didn't play well, and he, you know, learned from that experience to know, look, your head isn't right. I think David Clifford, like you know, if 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 you're preoccupied all week about getting back from a suspension and appealing a suspension that you deserve. Maybe your head isn't right, uh, Conan. No, and um, like, what's the, what's the, not the motivation, but like, what's the angle there when you're going into appeal? That? Like, what what are you saying? Like, I know yeah. the, I know the footage looks bad, but it, it's not what it looks like. Like, you know, it, there's nothing to to appeal really. And the only thing I can think of is, and again, you said it's probably not him who's pushing it. But the only thing I can think of is they're leaning in on the, the David Clifford name. Like, you know, he, I think you joked the last time saying Kerry won't give him a two game ban, which they obviously didn't. But, you know, I wonder where they're trying to think like the amount of stuff this guy's done for Kerry already and the amount of stuff he will do in the future, they shouldn't be suspending him. Like, you know, he's not bigger than, than Kerry football. And when you do something like that, yeah, like as you say, dear McConnell, just hold your hands up and say, that was stupid. I'll, I'll take me, me punishment because it's, it's just, it's not nice. And I, 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 I don't get the point of it. Sometimes I think that they should actually, should almost be um, a repercussion if you're appealing a ban, especially someone mm-hmm. as blatant as that, that you should have an extra 
an extra game an extra game or an extra week there or shows, yeah. Yeah, yeah especially know. when especially when you're guilty, you're wasting people's time. There should be an automatic double, uh, sus- double the suspension if if your appeal is unsuccessful, Connor. That would put a stop to a lot of that messing that we're seeing, especially for the guilty cases. The most famous one is John Milan, um, back against Cork. What year was it? Was it oh three or oh four? And he uh, mm. put the boot of the hurley back into uh, Brian Murphy's mm. uh, face. And he accepted his punishment and missed another in semi-final against Kilkenny. Maybe it was 06. Um, I, I've guessed plenty of years then. I probably have. I probably have that wrong. But the the um, you know he accepted it and he could have gone down what was fashionable at the time of going down to this DRA hearing and getting off on the technicality. Was that the time that John Milan said was interviewed after the game and he said he, he I love me county because he'd been sent yeah. off in the Waterford one. Yeah, I think that I think that was all four direction. But what you're what Conan is talking about there, I think the FA have it already, or definitely some other sporting bodies, is it's called a frivolous appeal. So if you if you know you're guilty and you appeal against it and then you're you know it's ruled that the, the appeal was frivolous, let's say the ban is double, but that threat doesn't exist. It's a pity it doesn't, because like like I'd say David Clifford or East Kerry were were compelled to appeal against it because they knew there was a chance it would happen. Like I think I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, there's been, I know of like three or four sending offs that have happened in the Mayo Championship this year and they've all got off and they seem to be on these technicalities. And there's any amount of like examples from inter-county from over the last few years where people are getting off on technicalities as well. So the reason why people are appealing this is because they've seen in the past that other players are getting off. So why not chance there are? So the only way to stop this is by introducing some sort of punishment that stops. Like, You'd have sympathy for David Clifford if there was if he had a case to make, but he didn't. I mean, like the 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 case that we said it a couple of weeks ago, he was being held as he often is, but he kicked out a leg, and it was clear as day to anyone who could see it on video. So he just in that case he should have accepted yeah. his appeal, whether it was him that decided to or not. But the longer these things go on without there being punishment for these frivolous appeals, the more you're going to have people appealing them left, right, and centre because some people will get off. We have some quotes from Jim Gavin, um, lads. It's not often that we have him. He's out of the game here now. He was on the Sports Chronicle. I think he was he was uh, promoting something. So it's not like they got the you know an interview with him. He was doing something. I don't know what he was promoting, but anyway, he was on the Sports Chronicle, and he was talking about how Dublin played. And he said some might have looked at my teams and thought they were like robots in how to perform, but that's far from it. My role was to now, and that's grand. Like the self-awareness is pretty strong there you know like I mean he was well aware of how the team was perceived I would say more in the last two years you know and they all, they had to do that to beat these defensive systems they wouldn't even be critical of that um, but he continued on he says he gets into a bit of Jim Jim Gavin type of jargon here he says but that's far from it my role was to facilitate the creation of an environment and culture combined with their values and their efforts that would allow them to perform at their own highest standard to allow them express themselves in the field of play can you get a more Jim Gavin sentence in all your life, Conan? Will I will I read that again? Sorry, my, I, I switched off there, will you? <laughs> my this is Jim Gavin, just true and true. This this type of talk. My role was to facilitate the creation of an environment and culture combined with their values and their efforts that would allow them to perform at their own highest standard, to allow them express themselves on the field of play. Can you actually say words without really saying any, without really meaning anything or getting, you know, kind of specific about anything? He's an expert at it. It's hard to argue with those. those (laughs) (laughs) It's very hard to argue with that environment stuff and the culture and the values and the efforts and all that kind of stuff. I remember, though, um, Derry beat them in 2014 in the league up in Celtic Park. An amazing time when Derry were half decent and... uh, 
you know, Gavin was pretty annoyed afterwards, but this was around the time, obviously, before the Donegal defeat, and, you know, like, they were swashbuckling side at the time, and they, they couldn't yeah. stop, but he was almost preachy, like, every team they were playing, especially when they lost or didn't win, he was almost always having a go with defensive teams, and, you know, it was this, it was like he was on this crusade to bring attacking football back, and that's, like, that's the way they were playing, and ever since that defeat, yeah, like, his personality seemed to change a little bit, certainly with the media, anyway, and, like, obviously, the the team's personality changed a little bit. It was definitely worth it. They won five in a row and they still played the best football overall. But um, it's just interesting, like just to sort of, I would love to go back to 2013, 14 and just compare those quotes with some of the stuff that he had been saying. Yeah, definitely. Like, I mean, I, I think it's very harsh and for him to even suggest that they played like Robots or so some people thought it and even had to explain himself. I don't think he needs to explain himself, yeah. Connor. He, they turned yeah. very, very functional because that's what they had to do to beat, you know, the Tyrones or the Monaghans who were going back ahead of the ball and standing there waiting for them. Like, I mean, they did learn their lesson in 14. That's not robotic. That's just adapting to what the challenge was. Yeah, like it, it was clear there was structure there. There had to be structure after 14 because they were so caught in the hop by, Dun- by Donegal in that game. Because, as Conan said, the, the swashbuckling style, it was always a swashbuckling style. It was being played on their terms, no matter who they came up against. And Donegal just, Donegal caught them on the hop completely. So it was clear that they had to change tack. In those circumstances, though, I, I would never have said that, even in the last few years, I would never have said that. I, I didn't, And I didn't hear many people say that, that Dublin played like robots. They had to be more functional, as you say, in games against those defensive teams. But the next day, if they played against a team that wanted to, you know, go toe-to-toe with them, they could go toe-to-toe with them as well. And I think the best thing, like Jim Gavin, he he went a long way around, you know, he went a typical Jim Gavin-esque way of saying it. But I think the best thing he did was kind of... um, empowered the players to adapt in those circumstances. You know, they were, they were good at, they didn't have to be told by Jim Gavin. There was a couple of examples. You're talking um, Mayo in 2017, the final, I think. And even Mayo last year, when Jim Gavin admitted that, like, he didn't say anything in the dressing room at halftime, the players started out, started out themselves. And same against Kerry in the drawing game. It was the players that made the decisions on the pitch, as opposed to Jim Gavin having to tell them. So while, you know, I, I, I would never, I would never have, heard them described as robots robots and i think uh, i think if it is i think if they were described like that it's very harsh but um but but you you mentioned there Woody, about the jim gavin uh, jim gavinisms I, I just saw a line that stood out to me he spoke about um the continuum of growth builds resilience later on in that line and i thought that was um that was that was a, that was as much jim gavin as you can get no it definitely was like anyone that would call the all-ireland uh, finals against Kerry robotic football hasn't a bloody clue what they're talking about because that was some of the best football that was probably the highest level of football that maybe ever was played considering the balance both teams were able to get between defending and attacking you know like I mean it's not as easy it was back in the 90s where you have no defensive players you have no one dropping back you know or even during the noughties so much um, football has evolved so much that the balls that were given into the forwards, the play, the support play, all those things were, were at, at as high a level as I've ever seen in those All-Ireland Finals. Anyways, then he starts, he, he actually turns into an army man then. He's talking about not getting carried away on the sideline. He says, I'm watching every passage of play. I'm scanning the battlefield of a game. I observe. I'm making a decision. I action it. I test it. And I repeat that cycle. <laughs> like, I mean, he goes full army, full army on trying to explain why he doesn't get carried away um, on the sideline. I'd make the argument that he's not actually that great on the sideline. I'd, I'd, I think Jim's a brilliant organiser. I don't think he's that special at, at making changes within games. And there's plenty of evidence for that. What I think he's excellent at is after a drawn game, 
standing back, listening to people, making the right decisions then when he's analysed the game. But like, not I know lots of managers who have great football brains, but on the sideline, like kind of potentially free. I know Mikko Dwyer was desperate for freezing during a big game. Like if the game was close, he wouldn't change anything. He'd freeze. It was only if you were losing badly or winning well, he'd, you know, feel the need to kind of change things. But like, I mean, you can't be brilliant at everything, I suppose. But like, I, mean, I do think I do think that Jim, if he had a weakness, it would be... Um, I'd love to ask him that question, actually, what his weakness, what his main weakness was as a manager. Imagine if he said uh, making changes during a game, uh, Wooly, that's that's my biggest weakness. But uh, yeah, it's interesting to get some quotes um, from him. Oh, he went on then um, to say my role wasn't to be a fan. My role was to be their manager, to try and make the best decisions, to enable those players to be the best they can be and to point and propel them towards that higher purpose that was more enduring than themselves. He has to turn into that old nonsense talk towards the end then um, a little bit. But I suppose he's talking about, he's been questioned there, Conan, about, you know, being joyless. And to be honest, I do think that's effective. I do think that was a big mistake the way he didn't, you know, look happy after winning that All-Ireland against Mayo because at the same time, he's, and I do respect the fact he doesn't want the cameras to come and get his celebration and be all about him. But in actual fact, it the opposite works, that the attention of him not even smiling took away yeah. from that win. You know, it had the opposite effect of what he was intending. And I actually think that he's probably the one person who people might have called robotic, you know, not his team so much. And again, like I have the highest respect for him, but like when, when you talk about robots and yeah, like even his quote there, the way he's going through everything he does, I action it, I test it, I repeat. You know, like that's that's robotic. Like, and he was obviously deliberately doing that as well because that's what he saw his role as. But like again, if you go through like some of the stuff that that his team did do, like there was nothing robotic about Conor Callahan's goals against Lee Keegan or Colin Boyle or you know the the goal against Tyrone. Like the team still produced moments of magic. And we talked after the game actually about Jim Gavin after the first All Ireland final. Remember last year and. We like we were saying that he basically got out of jail. Like the players pulled him out. Like they, he got a lot of stuff wrong, and he didn't address it during the game. But he was able to address it in the two weeks between that. Then and he did that brilliantly. And one of the examples was going to Kieran Kilkenny and saying, "You need to go and just win this match." And again, remove him whenever shackles Kieran Kilkenny might have felt. He was able to pinpoint that and say, "Go go and win this game." So his preparation before matches were brilliant. Like he always like nailed Tyrone. Every every strength Tyrone had, he just shut it down, and you know. But probably you're right. In game, he just didn't react. Did we did we ever get to the bottom of that? Actually, Conan, do you remember after the drawn match, um, after everything was switched around, when Tommy Walsh came on and Kerry took off a defender, Sean O'Shea and James McCarthy then went with was it James McCarthy went with uh, Tommy Walsh, and then Sean O'Shea yeah. was just left completely free. Did we ever get to the bottom of that? Because I left for Australia after that draw match. Did is that what actually happened in that match? That is, because remember James McCarthy was their best player as well in the engine room, and then they just pulled him back in the fullback to mark Tommy Walsh. It was it was an absolute disaster. No, like there was nothing to get to the bottom of, other than it was just bad changes. And then obviously she saw the excitement every time Tommy Walsh was warming up. Then the second game, Philly McMahon, that was his role to mark Tommy Walsh. So again, yeah. they addressed it, but in the first game, they might have gotten caught by not acting fast enough and getting James McCurphy, A, off Tommy Walsh, and B, back where he needed him. Yeah, no, exactly, yeah. It's, it's actually criminal, I remember saying, after that Monday, after that all finds leave Sean O'Shea as the spare man. You know, instead of a defender, it was bizarre stuff. Um, good news for Ballyhale Shamrocks fans and Kilkenny fans is that Adrian Mullen, anyone watching Ballyhale and Clara last week would have saw um, Adrian um, poking around 
He's in a pair of shorts. He was looking in good shape. Um, he obviously did his cruciate earlier on in the year and would have thought his season was over, but it's not over. Um, it looks like he's back in the mix. Um, James O'Connor, the Bally Hill manager, said he's making great headway. He was there training on the field the other night with the physio, but he hasn't done any hurling with us um, yet. So I don't expect him to be back with the club for the remainder of the championship. For Kilkenny, I'm sure he might make an appearance. All right, so that's fantastic uh, news for them. They obviously play James Stevens this weekend in the semi-final final. Then you're looking at the county. He's He's got another, he doesn't have another, he's not ready in two weeks, but the hurling starts in mid-October. So he'd have five or six weeks um, to get in the mix for that. So, you know, a great um, addition for Kilkenny. And again, this is always the case. You look at fellas, you look at um, Cottle McShane, Connor. he looked like his season was over too. Mm-hmm. And now you have Adrian Mullen, Cottle McShane and lots of others. Um, I'm sure that realise here, this isn't all that bad, this whole coronavirus. <laughs> it's, it's worked out quite all right. Just hopefully he doesn't suffer a, a recurrence of an injury like Colin McShane does. It's just um, like TJ Reid was saying there about a month ago that he was 50-50 uh, to, to feature for, saying Adrian Mullen was 50-50. He'd obviously been doing some work in TJ's gym uh, to feature for Kilkenny this year. So obviously, given the comments there by James O'Connor, he's come on a lot since then too. And it's just... Like it's great. It's great when you hear these stories about somebody who suffered a. There's still a thing with cruciates, although like medical science has obviously come on so much that when you hear somebody about a cruci, you know somebody suffering a cruciate, you think they're going to be out for ages. But this is another story, you know, to to tell us that like these lads are back. You know, they've they've done the rehab. They've they've done. You know, they've they've got whatever they've had to do done, and they're, and they're back within within a year. Let's say now I know uh, Adrian Mullen is is young. He probably has that on, on his side. Yeah, he'll as well. be yeah. He'll be back in eight months. That's that's exactly it, yeah. So like, uh, and you'd imagine that like he's done it. That's not a shortcut or anything like that. He's done everything he's had to do, and he's back and he's back in eight months. So just for his sake, like obviously we've heard of of cruciates can recur, and I'm thinking of poor Billy McCarthy, but um, like that that's that's massive for Adrian Mullen, and like while Paddy Hale don't seem to need him at the moment, but that's going to be huge for Kilkenny as well. So Jamie Malone has been talking about showers, and again, I completely agree with Jamie Malone. What he says is I'm not saying that everyone has to crowd into the showers, just that the option is there for for some lads in certain circumstances. Not everyone is going to avail of showers and not everyone is going to be comfortable in them. Um, it's for the welfare of the players and it's crazy to ask to have a facility for lads who need... Or not, it's crazy to ask... It's, it's not crazy to ask to have a facility for lads who need it the most, even for training. There could be a few lads going a couple of hundred kilometres for a training session and be up again for, for work in the morning. So I completely agree with this. And again, this is kind of a computer says no attitude that you get, especially within the GEA. And if I was up in Portlease training and it's the weather's not great and the lads that are living in Portlease drive on home, I have a fellow who works up in Dublin. He's all muck. I, he he doesn't have family in Portlaoise. I would be saying here, get in there to get that sh- go in there and get that shower and wash the muck off your legs at least. Anyways, the showers aren't hot because we can't turn them on. But get in under the cold one and get the you know clean yourself up some little bit. T- the idea that a club official would say, Jesus, no, you know, like I mean, you, the, the direction came from Crow Park now, and like we, you know, we we can't start letting you into the shower. They'll all want to get. Do you get me, Conan? I can like, imagine that conversation exactly happening for a fella getting back into his car, filthy, dirty, sweating, and landing back up in back up into Dublin. I, I can definitely sympathise, but like, yeah, the, the optics still just seem a bit uh, a bit risky. You know, not, I'm not even thinking about people piling into showers. I'm just thinking like the way it's done. You're washing dirt and germs off yourself, and then it's the waters 
gallowing around people's feet and stuff. Like, so just like I, I definitely have sympathy for what Jamie Malone's saying, but like the it would need to be regulated, I think, and like you know, shown that the showers are individualized, or yeah, there's going to be certain slots, or like, and not not to make it a, a computer says no thing, but you know, just like uh, thinking about the pubs that have been closed down for seven months, like surely like the GA can you know, do something about their showers before everybody jumps into that. It just seems a bit of a stretch to go into showers after a game, considering what's going on. Now, so, like, I mean, I'll put it to this way. You have to wear flip-flops, fine. So that covers your feet. There's a, what is in any usual dressing room? There could be eight different shower heads. Mm. You know, how many how many lads are commuting? So we've three lads commuting. Go to three of you in there now and stay well away from each other and get your shower. And that's it. I don't see that as a big deal. There's going to be a huge test because for the intercounty season in the middle of winter, they're going to have to open the dressing rooms. So what are they going to do for the showers in that situation, um, Connor? Like, I mean, you're, you're going to have a situation for intercounty season, which is in the middle of winter. You cannot have dairy driving back from, you know, wherever they ha- wherever their furthest game is in the, in the last two league games or Kerry or wherever, driving back filthy. So you're going to have a situation, maybe almost like, I don't know, like, I mean, those jail movies you see on the TV where it's single file up and you turn around with your towel and your your own personal bar of soap and uh, you're going to get your shower and hope you don't get the shit kicked out of you. Jesus, such an image uh, to have the picture with you. Well, they're, going to have, they're going to have to do that. They're going, you're going to have to queue up, socially distance yeah. along a corridor and turn the corner and allow three or four into the showers at a time. And that's what they're going to have to do. So the one thing I was thinking with club training, for example, so I didn't think, listen, it's not ideal, but I didn't think it was the end of the world because in most cases, in the majority of cases, I'd say you have, you have players that are training that, that live close by. So it's like it's not ideal, but it's not the end of the world that you can just jump into their car, go home and have a shower. What I was thinking of, let's say, with, with Intercounty, for example, like... You know, is this a case then that like in like overnight overnight stays will have to become you know mandatory that that like you know does it does a team hop onto the bus immediately and go to a hotel nearby and that's where they can get all the showers if if the if the if they're not open by the GA by then because like the only other thing I was thinking if if you have one match in a big stadium let, let's say like well Crow Park for example or even the county ground the chances are those county grounds probably have you know three to four if not more dress rooms, could have five to six. And I was thinking, like, is there a way then you can facilitate it that you can split up into groups and that, as you say, there, people are maybe let in at a time or something like that. To, and like, like the, the, as big as precautions as you can take and rules regarding people having to wear flip-flops and all that sort of stuff, because it's not an issue now, you know, because the weather hasn't been that bad, whatever. But come November, December, especially when you have county teams trained, you know, traveling long distances, like you're going to hear a massive amount, I would say, about teams having to hop into buses or hop into their own cars and go home and travel huge distances, um, making them probably, you know, you know, they're all wet and cold and making them more vulnerable to to, you know, viruses that the, 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 the virus that's doing doing the rounds at the moment as well. So, um, I, you know, I get where Conan's coming from, about the optics. But I, I would imagine that this is going to become a far bigger issue the closer we get to Intercounty and the closer we get to winter in particular. Yeah, no, it definitely will. Like, I mean, I don't think anyone should be made wear flip-flops going to a, a, a GA shower anyways. Anyone doesn't wear flip-flops would want their head red with that grimy, filthy floor and the smell of piss coming out of the toilet. And, like, I mean, I don't know, Conan, would you go in barefoot into a, sho- into a shower uh, in, a, in a clubhouse? I fucking knew you were going to ask me this question. <laughs> and I, I have too many like teammates and stuff who listen to it, so I have to I have to admit that, yeah, I would. I would go on barefoot, okay? You oh. got me. 
<laughs> so so I'm saying no no to showers, no more no more showers for the rest of the year. Oh my god, that's disgusting. So Malone is still up in the air about whether he's going to play with um, Clare. Remember the big thing with Clare was we were tipping him to go down in the league because uh, Gary Brennan and Jimmy Malone weren't going to be there, and they're 100 two Division One uh, level players. So Jamie's back. Listen, anyone that's back and is in some way fit, it's a knockout championship. Play the bloody thing. You've gotten away without training all year. Now it's the good stuff. You know what I mean? To not play this year is madness. You know, not when you're in good when you're in good shape. Gary Brennan hasn't committed yet. Colin Collins says you mightn't believe this, but I don't know. Uh, that's whether he's committed or not. He hasn't committed as of yet. Be it yes or no. Again, message to Gary Brennan is don't be stupid. Don't miss out on a championship that's only going to last you know, a month lead up to it, pretty much. Two league games and then a championship game. And another, you, you could have four championship, you could have four inter-county games in four weeks and that's your season, which only starts, you know what I mean, in the 14th. Well, we four more days to the to, until they can start training. So I think you'd want your head examined not to play this year. This is a fairy tale year for anyone who has given out about the commitment uh, needed for inter-county. Um, have you seen the Longford statement on Kilku lads? Um, or Kilu? Sorry, hello. Jesus Christ, I'm after getting that wrong three different times. And I'm talking about it for the last two weeks. So, hello, we, we'd all know the story of that, lads. We're not going to get back into it. Myself and Connor talked about it again on Monday. But the Longford statement is hilarious. So, this is Longford after banning this club for the maximum possible that they could have banned them to 48 weeks. And then it went to the Leinster Council. And the Leinster Council up, upheld that ban, which is completely out of order. But I'm not surprised at that. This is GA administrators backing up GA administrators. So, like, I mean, I've no problem. Uh, well, I do have a huge problem with the Leinster Council backing that up. But maybe they they, they said they were str- hamstrung with the rules. Who who knows? Um, but they went to the DRA and the DRA found problems with it. So they're after getting off. So wouldn't you think Longford GA would be a little bit annoyed, you know, that something that they fought so strongly for. They went to mediation with Porrick Duffy that couldn't find a solution. So here's the response now to going to, an, to going to the DRA outsiders and them actually quashing the ban. So they say Longford GA are delighted. Oh no, Longford GA accept the written decision of the tribunal in a matter in the matter of the arbitration sought by Kilo Emmett Og, uh, which was delivered last night. Longford GA were del- are delighted to see that Kilo Emmett can resume in our championship, and we look forward to the completion of same in a timely manner. What kind of game are they playing here, Conan? Like, I mean, that's not the response of 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 a board that has tried to impose an incredibly draconian uh, suspension on a club, as if they had nothing to do with it as well. Like, yeah. you know, we're, we're delighted that they can play. Like, you were the reason that they couldn't play. <laughs> I know, yeah, you could have it's made a, yourself happy all along. Yeah, it's incredible. So, Ronan McGoldrick is a Kilo uh, player. And he's been tweeting about this. And he's what he's tweeting is perfectly logical. He says, the board, uh, <laughs> the board has of yet refused to deal with our initial case, uh, buried the findings of an independent investigation committee report from Croke Park and banned us against banned us against rule for 48 weeks and are now delighted we can resume playing. Laughable. They literally weaponized the rule book to silence our club rather than let the truth come to light and deal with the ramifications. So my reading of this is the ramifications were Kilo Emmett refusing to play an underage game because a player who was sent off was had the red card turned into two yellows. So the, the Longford County Board, instead of dealing with the fact that this this um, 
this card had been changed and this fella now was able to play that they ended up banning a whole club, a whole club from mm. under 16s up, Connor, to actually hide the fact that they might have done a little, not not as good as a wink to get this young fella back okay to play the game. It was uh, with delighted and inverted commas in that uh, statement. Uh, it was. was. <laughs> because it nearly seems like sarcasm from Longford GA, given, you know, it's such, uh, such cheek, to, to, to be honest about it, it's such cheek to put that out in the statement, considering all that's going on. Do they not know that, like, like last Thursday, was it? It was up before the DRA last Friday. Last Thursday, had to go to DRA, and this was after Porrick Duffy had been brought in. One of the the one of the most well known administrators in GA in recent years was brought in to mediate it and couldn't even come to a resolution. And then you're releasing a statement saying that you're delighted that the club have been brought back into the championship, having gone so far, um, having gone so far against them in this case. Like you know, it's just. You know, it'd be slapping the face to anyone involved with Kolo to be reading that. But I suppose at the end of the day, they're just probably thinking, listen, they're back in the championship. But why didn't they just say Kolo are back in the championship, end of, and not say they're delighted? It just, it's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, ridiculous. Now, delighted was inverted commas on Ronan McGoldrick's tweet, not in the Longford statement. Yeah, I, I, but like, I wouldn't be surprised if they put it in delighted because it read, it read sarcastically nearly given given how involved Longford have been to kind of push the direction the other way. But anyway, listen, Kolo are back in the championship, so... That's that's the most important thing. So Ulster Council Chief Executive Brian McAvoy has been talking, and we know that 400 are allowed at club games. Um, basically, I'm just going to say this before I read the quotes, the Ulster Championship is where it's going to be at this year. And if I'm going to any games, well, I can only go to Ulster Championship games, actually, um, I suppose. But, like, I mean, this is just going to be, it's going to be gas that... The Ulster Championship, so they're capping their numbers and they've they've voluntarily capped their numbers at 400 for the club games, as we know. But Brian McAvoy says we might increase that for semi-finals and finals, but at the minute it's 400. But if you look at other sports, the Irish Cup final at Windsor Park between Glentoran and Ballymena United had 500 added. We would have county grounds that are bigger than Windsor Park, so there would be no issue with the regulations if we increase those numbers um, as time passes. It is hopefully the way we will go because if you look at other across at other jurisdictions, the crowds are starting to come back as well. There are pilot programs at soccer games in England ongoing, up to two thousand five hundred at games over there. Ulster Council let a thousand in uh, or two thousand into Clonus for an Ulster final, Conan, and just laugh at the Leinster Munster and Connacht Championships. <laughs> and and they probably could have had more in in Windsor Park as well, just nobody was bothered going to watch Glentor and Ballinia. <laughs> That was yeah, yeah. That that was that was the, the all ticket, all ticket sold. <laughs> yeah. um, but like, that, ser- ser- seriously, there has to be some sort of thought in the GA's head now. Like, you know, do you, if this keeps going, do they take games up to Ulster? Like, yeah, brilliant like, idea. Like, you know, all are in the semi-final, all in the final, quarterfinals, even like you know, there are no quarterfinals. But like, why not? Yeah, but then I suppose you're going to have the trouble of the lads getting all dirty and having no showers up there and having to drive back home. So they're going to have to fix the shower issue first, Connor. But I, I, I agree with this. This isn't without precedent, uh, Connor. Like, I mean, the reality is the Ulster final has been played in Croke Park plenty of times. Well, not all the games, but at least all provincial finals should be in Clonus. Isn't, there your, isn't that your solution? Yeah, I think so. I think why not? Unless now there's word that you know this 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 updated roadmap is coming out next week, so whether that's going to accommodate 
um, supporters at games. I don't know. I wouldn't. I tell you, I can't wait to see. We couldn't follow a roadmap for for eight weeks, and now they're going to give us a nine month roadmap. Yeah. It's the greatest farce I've ever heard. Hey, hang on, actually, because Clooney's is in Monaghan, so that probably can't. Oh no, sorry. Yeah, yeah, sorry. That's a, that's a terrible. Conan, I'm glad you corrected that now, or I'd be absolutely attacked. So where are we playing? Where are we playing this match then? Probably going you know, to Armagh. In Armagh, maybe. Armagh wouldn't be... Oh, yeah, Armagh's a lovely little ground. A thousand in, yeah. Ar- in, in Armagh would be perfect. Or two thousand. Imagine yeah, all Ireland final, Leinster final, Munster hurling final up in Armagh. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, it'd be great for the promotion of hurling in Ulster. This is all perfect. Yeah. If we go to Boston to play Super 11s, they can play the, the Leinster hurling championship in Armagh. Lads, here's the solution, seriously, because th- that Armagh ground is a lovely little tight, compact ground, and 2,000 in that stand would make a lot of noise. All of the matches in the in the athletic grounds in Armagh, Connor, that's the solution. I don't see any problems with that. Um, it's a new stadium. They'll have lovely high-tech showers. Um, I'm too old to have played in them or to have showered in them. But I, for me, that's that's. I think that's the way around this because, like I said, I know like this nine-month roadmap. Did you ever hear the likes? This ch- they're 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 changing their mind every couple of weeks, and now they're going to give us a nine-month roadmap. What a waste of their time! But like, I mean, I I still think even at best case scenario, we're looking at two or three hundred into an intercounty game. Yeah, it looks like it. I'd say. Yeah, well, it definitely won't be if the if if what it's been in Ulster has been four hundred. It's not going to be any more than four hundred. You'd imagine as well. Funny thing is, like the prospect of a Munster hurling final in Armagh is more likely to get the government to act on crowds of the GA games than anything that's happened to date. So, but listen, I'm sold on your idea, Willie. Bring it all up to bring it all up to Armagh and not clone us. Yeah, no, definitely not clone us. And thank God, Conan, you just remembered that. Or I would, I know I would be attacked on that. That's something that I wouldn't be able to live down. Um, a shout out to Ronan Hughes um, before we finish up. A bit like the, the nine o'clock news on RT now, where you kind of finish up on a nice, lighthearted, you know, human interest story. <laughs> and uh, so Ronan Hughes, this one is, he's 17. His birthday was yesterday. And I, I gave him a shout out yesterday. So he's only 17 and he sponsors his own teams. Uh, he's, he's a minor. He sponsors his own club team's jerseys. He plays with the Neil GA club. Um, so like, I mean, Connor, I'll throw this one to you. Um, very, very impressive young fellow. He sells uh, sports gear and has done well enough at it online to be able to sponsor his own team as a minor. So that is pretty impressive stuff. I think he's only like he's had the business well. Like it not shouldn't be surprising he's only had it a short period of time, given he's only seventeen. But I think it's only in the last year or so, and obviously he's picked up to the level that he can he can afford to sponsor his own minor team, which is brilliant. Like how how great would that be when you're playing in a team with your with your company's name on the jerseys of the team, and you're only seventeen? But he comes from a very um, a very proud and resourceful uh, family. Woolly his uh, his uncle Owen. I actually played with him years ago. He's the manager of the Neil Senior Team. And he managed them to their first intermediate title last year and to the senior quarterfinals. His dad is chairman of the club. His uncle is the mayor of the parish. And actually, there was a great line by Liam Horan. He'd be a well-known journalist from Mayo as well. He said that the, he calls them the, the Neely Rays because the, the users are <laughs> influential around the Neil. But geez, fair play to him. It was, it was a great, great story to see. And uh, ties in perfectly with your last story of the news, like a, an and finally section that, that we can <laughs> after what we've had to talk about today. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We can move from coronavirus and capacities to Ronan Hughes. It's, just a, it's a lovely way to finish it. I saw Paddy Stapleton tweeting that, listen, that's a great way to guarantee that you start. Now, that's a very cynical tweet by our own Paddy Stapleton because apparently Ronan Hughes is an outstanding prospect and that is the furthest thing from Ronan Hughes's mind. So we'll leave it there. We'll be back and we'll look ahead to the matches at the weekend. You ready? 
I've had fellas follow me, and not just carp lads, you know what I mean? Mm. And, uh, it happens, it happens, yeah. and, and it does happen. Yeah. But I'll tell you one thing, it's a lonely spot. And the best thing you can do is keep moving. And I thought Connolly looked to be trying to do yeah. that the last yeah. time. The camera show doesn't look great, yeah, there was, um, maybe they could say it was theatrical or whatever, but like, the reality is that there was contact and um, I wasn't trying to win a penalty, I was trying to go out and win the ball. You know, actually, it's funny, your man Conan, what's your name on, on your programme, like, I, I was wondering if he had the same match as me, he was kind of making out Terry, but unlucky to lose, like... Alright lads, so the game's on television. We're back to having a Friday night game, uh, lads. It's East Kerry versus St. Brendan's. Have we any interest in watching this now that David Clifford isn't going to be isn't going to be watching it? <laughs> the throw in is at seven thirty. Um yeah, look, I might watch it, but it's just it's, to be honest, it's ruined for me. I, I I'd be interested in seeing his brother all right, but other but other than that. Well, let me let me paint you a picture, Willie. <laughs> they met they met three years ago actually, and uh, the score finished up three twenty four to four eighteen. Oh um, wow! Yeah, so like absolute. Yeah, but what did Clifford scored? That's the thing. Take what he, he scored. A- he only came on. It was this is when he was still a minor. So he came on in the second half of extra time, and he scored the goal, the winning goal. But um, yeah, so they they did all right without him for all that time, and there was a hurling game on beforehand, which finished thirteen twelve. So the the football purists were were delighted about that. Right, okay. So we know, and we know uh, Tony Brosnan's out for Croaks, but that Croaks uh, versus Mid-Kerry game isn't on Friday night. I think that's on, on Saturday or Sunday, but both those semi-finals are on this weekend. On Saturday on RTE, they're doing a double double header of Kilkenny hurling. Uh, Dixborough versus the Lachlan Gales. Um, that is at three o'clock, which is very early, isn't it, um, for that match? I wonder why that is. And then they have Belly Hill Shamrocks versus James Stevens at five o'clock. That's the one most people will want to be watching. It's the repeat of last year's final, Bally Hale versus James Stevens, and our own Cheddar Plunkett is over James Stevens. So be interested to see what trick Cheddar has up his sleeve. Uh, he has regrets from last year's final. So let's see how he can fix them. Interestingly, the first game is a repeat of this year's league final. Uh, Dixborough won it three uh, 0 on penalties. So they're two very evenly matched teams. Dixborough won the county final in 17 and the Lachlan Gales won it as recently as 16. So for me, they look like the four strongest teams in Kilkenny getting through to the semi-finals. So they're two, a big double header uh, that RT have. On Sunday, we have Dunloy versus Lockgale Shamrocks. This is a county final. I want to spend more time talking about county finals, lads, because we're at that uh, point now rather than talk about semi-finals and Dunloy versus Lockgale Shamrocks this is on TG Cahar the throw-in here is at 2.45 um, Dunloy won it last year they're defending champions um, Dunloy ended up losing to Slock Nail didn't they uh, Conan in the in the Ulster club yeah. um, they'd, be, they'd be confident club let's just put it that way Lockgale Shamrocks obviously are the big team in in Antrim, they won the All Ireland Club in 2012, and what, the last county final they won was 16. So it's a bit of a wait for them. And, and Liam Watson has been talking, and I, I want to talk to Liam Watson after reading these um, after reading these quotes. So he says, "Dunloy are there for the taking. All the talks about Dunloy, they talk themselves up. Fair play to them. They're last year's champions. So like, I mean, he's calling it. Liam Watson's 38. He's come out of retirement to come back and play with Lockheed Shamrocks uh, this year. Oh, he only we, well, he only came on." In the semi-final, um, or he came on in the game before that and played the entire semi-final. That was it. 
Yeah, and scored 1-3 in that semi-final as well. So uh, 38 yeah. and, and still going well. What's that? Eight years after he scored that famous hat-trick in the, in the All-Ireland final. It's, it's, yeah, this is going to be a cracker because they're close enough proximity. Like Antrim Hurlands obviously fuels a lot of rivalry. And as you say, Dunloy are the champions, but they haven't been going that well. Like they only won one group game out of three. They drew two of them, like, but they, they finished top of the group. But they had to win their last game just to, to get through, whereas Lock Gale have just been have been hammering everybody in front of them. They had a tough, tight game in the in the semi-final, but <laughs> but they scored two thirty-one. So um, I think they're they're in better form coming into it. And like Eddie McCluskey, it just seems to be going forever as well as Liam Watson. He's playing wing forward for them, and he banged over five the last day as well. So uh, I actually fancy Lock Gale here. Just put my neck on the line, even though they're playing the champs. Right, okay. Uh, you mentioned he scored 1-3, so he was talking about it. He said, it was strange for myself there. I missed a lot of scores. I could have been coming away with maybe 1-8 or 1-9. But look, I don't care what I score as long as the team gets over the line. Fair play to the boys. They dug, they dug deep. That's a good group of boys there. That is uh, St. John's, who they beat in the semi-final. Uh, but at the same time, we're Lockheed Shamrocks, and we're not going anywhere. Brilliant. Good man, Liam Watson. Like, I mean, this is what we're talking about. We're the Lockheed Shamrocks. Um, they might be a good crowd of young lads, but we're the Lockheed Shamrocks, Connor. Imagine hearing that from being, Liam being, Yeah, being, Well, sorry now, but being from Kilshima, you cannot relate to that. From being from Port Leash, I can relate to that kind of cockiness <laughs> and history. <laughs> no, I can't. You're right, you're right Willie. I'll, 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 I'll give you that in fairness. Imagine, though, imagine if you're a young fellow in that dressing room and you hear somebody as experienced as, as Liam Watson saying that. And he had a great line. He goes... Uh, he just said, I, like, I can't wait to get back out there again. Hopefully lift that trophy and go and have a good time with these boys after that. That, that. that sounded great to me. What more do you want than that? Yeah, he does motocross or something. Like I said, he's an interesting enough fella. He was saying there was a good interview with him in the Irish News and he was talking about staying in good shape. He did a lot of road running to stay fit for the motocross or something like that. So he's definitely interesting enough. We know about his scoring heroics in that All-Ireland final. Um, all right. Um, Ballium with the other game on TG Cahar is another live game which is fantastic again it's brilliant to have this and not have these deferred games deferred games should be done away with as far as I'm concerned I'm tired of, the, of that um, Ballium on Kickhams versus Kilmacook Croaks huge game in the Dublin uh, Championship semi-final this is a half four uh, throw in um, they played each other in the Championship last year I remember this game. Kilmacud won two thirteen to fourteen points, and I remember Ballymun Kickhams making some stupid decisions on the sideline. Number one, James McCarthy being put back from midfield back into corner back to Mark Paul Mannion. Madness! You let you let you let Kilmacud Croaks have to think of something to mark James McCarthy. Don't lose James McCarthy marking Paul Mannion. It's stupid. It's madness. Often think of Ballymun Kickhams. They spend too much time worrying about the opposition instead of letting the opposition worrying about worry about them. They dropped Evan Comerford. Um, now, in fairness, they dropped him because I think Evan hadn't showed up to something or he'd been away on a stag or something. They had to drop him. So Sean Curry played and his kickouts were all over the place. And John Small was injured. So, like, I mean, if you look at the last game, Conan, it was uh, James McCarthy and it was uh, John Small who who really drove the, the, the team on in the second half against Nafina. They can't make those same mistakes the next day. And that's just, you know, that's just it. If it comes down to Paul Mannion's causing some problems, move Philly over on him, you know, move John Small back on him. And maybe you could, you could move John Small back on him and move Philly out centre back, you know, do something like that, but don't mess up your whole team because of Paul Mannion. No, that's it. They've got, they've got enough options and, and, and they've got enough uh, potent options going forward as well that they don't want to take away from. And I actually, I, I can't, 
I can't picture who it was or I can't remember the name, but they had another cornerback who was marking Steven Smith for scaries. And I know they don't care about scaries, but he's our main man. So they didn't even have Philly McMahon. We just kept him on him, didn't move John Small back. He did the job. Brilliant tight cornerback. So they've got these class defenders in spades. And as you say, like, look what James McCarthy's doing for them in midfield. Look what Paddy Small's doing up top. Dean Rock, like Davy Burns playing center forward for them and absolutely loving it there. So like they need to just impose themselves. They need to be more like Liam Watson and be like, we're Ballymun, look at our player. Yeah. Let's go and yeah. take the game to them. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. And it's always the cliche that sometimes you would criticise the way some managers say, look, we're not going to worry too much about the opposition. We're going to worry about our own game. And that was often about Mick O'Dwyer would have said. And, and that's great. Now, there is a balance. There's sometimes a, a nice little tactical switch is a great job to negate something they're good at. But definitely don't move your best player, your leader, your driving force from his best position and put him in cornerback corner. Like, you know, there's extreme versions of this and the best kind of version is somewhere in between, like finding a balance. Yeah, like in in some cases, it can be naive to think, you know, that like we're just going to go out and play our own game, especially depending on the depending on the number of threats, I suppose, the opposition have. You could say that and then. You know, somebody like Paul Mannion could go out and kick, you know, could kick 110 and win the game for you or whatever. But there's one thing, you know, planning for, for Paul Mannion. And then there's one thing, putting somebody like James McCarthy, who is who is the driving force for Ballymun, as he, as he is for Dublin, and probably more even, it probably even stands up a bit more for Ballymun in, in that midfield position. Like any time I've seen James McCarthy for, for Ballymun, he manages to be, you know, just back, back you know, back centre back, sometimes then driving forward and getting points and scores and always making his impact around the middle as well. So, so I, I think that would be it was crazy to do last year. And if if they're thinking of doing it again, it'd be it'd be crazier again. Especially when you have like it's not as if Ballymun are short of options that could deal with Paul Mann. Like anyone would street deal struggle to deal with Paul Mannion. But you have you have you have Philly McMahon back there, you have John Small back there if absolutely necessary. So to take it to, to take away so much from your own plan would be would be stupid. And you'd like to think that Ballymun have learned from that and aren't gonna do it again this weekend. Yeah, so really looking forward to that. Keno Sullivan wasn't playing last uh, year either. Um, he was out, but his form um, hasn't been outstanding. Kieran Kilkenny gave him an awful roast and against Castle Knox. So it'll be interested to see how he how he um, fares out at centre half back and who Ballymun even put on him. Because if Keane's confidence isn't great and he's dropping off and he's covering his full back line, maybe Paddy Small might not be a bad fella to put out there and have Keane in two minds, you know, and how to play that role. Often, if you have a fella who's just going to drop into midfield uh, too far, you make Keane's job an awful lot easier, even though Kieran Kilkenny did that, but was it, had the fitness to get back up and support the play, and Keane had lost him at that stage. So it'd be interesting to see how Ballymun manage uh, Keane O'Sullivan at centre-back. So I'm really looking forward to that one. Really looking forward to the hurling on Saturday as well, especially the second game. Um, have a look at Cheddar on the line against the best team in the country. The Armagh County Finals this weekend as well, lads. Huge game in Armagh. It's Cross McGlenn versus Mahary. Uh, Cross McGlenn going for three in a row um, after going to sleep for two years there, back when Mahary actually won one and Armagh Harps won one in 16 and 17. Then Cross McGlenn uh, came back. So they're like kind of the biggest rivals there are at the moment in um, in in Armagh. Um, they they are familiar enough with each other. Cross McGlenn beat them last year. I think it was by five points, but they got the goals um, in the semi-final last year. So um, Tony Kern was sent off in the semi-final. He's back. They were just two yellows. So they, like, I mean, I'm not sure this is going to be the, the type of classic county finals we've seen the last couple of years with Bally McNabb 
because I think Mahari, Finney and Moriarty is their manager and they're a little bit more defensive. So we're not going, we won't have Joe Brawley writing an article about this one. Um, it'll be more, it'll be more of an arm wrestle, Conan. He might write it if, uh, if they end up like hammering Mahari and it's another victory for Cross McGuin and, and all they're trying to do for the, for the game. But, Mahir, for courage and bravery and kick passes. And Fenton said to me afterwards in the clubhouse now, he said, watch this wee team. Like, <laughs> you won't know who Fenton is. We'll never find out who Fenton is, but it was worth being included in his article. Um, but Mahari are a team I have a lot of like respect for just because of their consistency. If you look through the Armagh Championship, they're just topping the group all the time. They're, they've been to the semi-final the last five years, the final twice. So, and like they've been, they've lost uh, two of those semifinals out of three to Cross McGlenn. So they've been really like, I think, just maxing out on what they probably have. So it would be great to to see them challenge Cross McGlenn. I can't see them beating them considering they haven't, they've struggled with that. But uh, no, it's good to see them back in the final after two years in the semis. Yeah, they have the Forkers kind of as their driving force. Um, two of them definitely played inter-county. Um, maybe the third, I'm not sure if the third one uh, did. Stephen Kernan is the is the Cross McGlenn manager uh, this year. You have Jim McConville in with him and Francis Fitzpatrick. Stephen Kernan, like he's young to be their manager, is very definitely an interesting one. And Cross McGlenn are kind of at the stage where you wouldn't know a huge amount of their team. They're kind of bringing in minors every year and giving lads a chance. Yeah, no, I noticed the O'Neill just going through their semi-final lineup there and noticed the O'Neills and then the Garen Kernan, Aaron Kernan as well. But I when I saw Stephen Kernan, I thought, Jesus, he's still not a he's still not young enough to be playing. But obviously one of those few that made the, the, the immediate transition from playing to management. But Mahari beat these in the like I know it was I think it was the first game back off the league um just there a couple of months ago. And they beat them by maybe it was just a point, so a tight battle. So whether they can, you know, hold that in their favour. But I was surprised. I think crossing again are four to one on. I still fancy them to win this, but I thought the odds were were a little bit harsh towards Mary. So um you know, they might uh, they might use that as motivation come come this weekend as well. Yeah, we'll get somebody from that match or we'll get someone from the Antrim Hurling final on to talk to us on Monday's show. Last one is just a random fixture, lads. It's a Westmead semi-final. It's the Downs versus St. Lomans. Um, the Downs beat Gary Castle in the quarterfinals. A big surprise. John O'Matney is their manager. Um, interestingly enough, he's got connections with the club. A friend uh, who's managed to get him down uh, managing him, which is, you know, a huge coup for for the Downs to get him down there. But the Downs is a club that I don't. I, I just remember the Downs because it's Shane Deering's club, and Shane Deering was a player that I used to love. He's around the same age as me. Um, an incredible player and Colin you should remember Shane Deering because he tackled Johnny McBride in injury time in the last attack in the minor All-Ireland uh, final in 1995 do you remember Shane Deering you won't remember Shane Deering as affectionately um, as I will or have we talked about this before I, I, we haven't talked about this before but now you're talking about Johnny McBride let's let's talk about some more what, what's, what do, you remember, do, you remember, do you remember the rugby tackle so Derry Westmead are winning by a pint in the all Ireland minor final in 1995 Johnny McBride who's the midfielder the ca- I think he's pretty sure he's the captain of Derry they've won last attack um, fairly sure Andy Muldoon was on that Andy Muldoon was definitely on that minor yep. team as well and they had another big tall fella playing um, either full forward or centre forward as well. I can't remember his name. But anyways, Johnny McBride's bursting down. He's getting around to 45. Derry need a goal or they need a point. And Shane Deering, who was a background in rugby, just literally, like this is worse than Sean Cavanagh ever did. He literally rugby tackled him and dragged him to the ground. And Derry made a balls of the free and Westmead are all our minor champions. And I'm, I don't know what age you were in 95, but I'm surprised you don't remember that. And this is the Leinster Championship that you hold up on a pedestal. <laughs> <laughs> Over yeah. 
I can forget about Shane Deering as far as he's a man, but geez, he was a magic player, lads. He was he was absolutely brilliant. I marked him once in under twenty one Leinster final. I I was uh, wing back, he was wing forward, and I I only lasted ten minutes because I did my hamstring. I had done it in the in the in the Sigerson, but they they were our huge rivals, Westmead at the time, and I didn't like Westmead, but I couldn't but like this fella. He was explosive. He was so dynamic and so fast, and had an incredible uh, sidestep. Anyways, he's not even playing for the Downs anymore. I just thought it. <laughs> I thought I'd I talk about Shane Shane Deering. I, I, I don't I don't think he's playing for the Downs. Jeez, he would be my age now. He'd be in his forties. You wouldn't know with him. Um, anyway, the Downs are a very young team. John Matney is quoted as saying, "This is how young we are." The three lads actually got their leaving set results on Monday night and trained with us. The club would have won under 20 and minor titles recently, and the average age of the senior team is only 23. So that's the sort of project and the sort of situation it is. It's trying to bring all these guys up to meet their potential as seniors and fit them fit them in with the experiences lads like Luke O'Loughlin and the older lads who are already established. Like, I mean, when you think about it... like. Is there a better fella than John O'Matney to be managing your club? A legend who has won All-Irelands, two All-Irelands with Galway, won a Connacht with Leitrim, which is as big an achievement. And you're a young fella coming up through the ranks and you might be cocky. You're not going to be cocky to John O'Matney, uh, Conan. Like, I mean, he's the perfect appointment for a young club whose average age is 23. Absolutely, like you just you just command respect for the entire year. Like you know, it'll be a long time before you get tired or, or start rolling your eyes with with John O'Mahony. Like these boys will have just automatic presence, and like the boys as the, as the team is that age. Like you know, imagine how fast they're going to be learning, how much stuff they're going to be taking in from what he sends them. And this might just be simple stuff in, in terms of instilling belief in them, in terms of like them sticking their chest out a little bit. Like I think it's as you say, it's a huge coup, and I can only imagine how how much it's it's going to stick with all those boys. Yeah, so John O'Matney is, I think this will probably tell you all you want to know about Mayo football. He won two All-Irons with Galway. He's a Mayo man. He comes back to manage Mayo and ruins his reputation with his own county. He basically became unemployable after managing Mayo for a few, for a few years. <laughs> and we come back maybe uh, early 2000s you know we got to all Ireland's in 2004 and 2006 it might be different I think a lot of the team disappeared maybe after 2006 and my abiding memory of John Amani actually is I think I mentioned it uh, when we were talking about Pierce Handy last week is getting absolutely hammered by Derry up in Celtic Park I think it was Pierce Handy's last game for Mayo John Amani was in charge at the time as well so um, but yeah listen he's done loads to kind of um, recover that reputation since Willie like he's like he's been involved with a lot of teams. Bridget's for one or Roscommon, but he might not necessarily be manager. He's kind right. of been brought on as an advisor. And any time any team that seems to have brought him on has always done well. And that's that's no accident too. So and a history with bringing through young players as well with with the counties and with uh he's he's been involved with Nathies in, in his native Baladrine as well as well. So like as you said, huge Huge boost for them. I just wonder who the oldest player is on that team to bring the average age to 23 because I know we have a young team in Calchamon and I'm 36, so I bring the average age up about a few years. So I wonder, is that the case with Luke Lachlan and these experienced fellas? Shane Deering. Shane Deering. Shane Deering at 42, yeah. He's definitely, uh, he could drag it up. So are you going to retire, Connor? now if you win the intermediate? It's not this weekend, it's the following weekend. Like, is oh, that you can... done? Like, I mean, is this just lifting that cup at 36? Um, <laughs> young child, you know, and you have enough on your plate and you'll say to the lads in the dressing room, lads, there's just an announcement to make. That's me, Don, lads. I've had a great innings. We finally got to the top of the mountain, and uh, that's that, That's it for me. 
but I've no dress room to make this announcement. Generally, <laughs> I might have to, might have to wait till dress rooms come back. But uh, this short season is uh, is making me change my mind. You know, it's uh, if you only have to rock up, you know, for uh, if you have to rock up for training in July and then you're finished your season by you know, middle of September, October. That sounds good to me, but I'll tell you, Willie, I'll, I'll, I'll reserve that decision and I'll give you the exclusive once the, once the final is over. How about that? Outstanding. Listen, we'll definitely get you on the Monday if you win that intermediate, right? <laughs> so that's a promise. Um, yeah, 100%. Might not, might, not be, might not be for the whole show, but uh, I'll give you a chat. <laughs> probably not for the whole show. Right, listen, we leave it at, on that note. Les. We'll be back on Monday as usual and we'll review, especially the two county finals, but we'll review everything else that we can as well. We'll talk to you then. Good luck. Both parents have, have spoken with each other and, uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. That these fellas will get such a shell shock next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their houses for 10 years. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.